Ephesians 5. We're continuing our long series through the book of Ephesians, going verse by verse. And uh, what a precious book the book of Ephesians is. And let's see if I can find what I'm looking for. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 25 through 28. We're talking about the husband's role. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of advice out there. There's a lot of people giving advice on different things. A fellow was walking along a lonely beach and suddenly heard a deep voice that said, Dig. So he looked around. Nobody was around him. He thought he was hallucinating or something. So he just started walking on down. And he hears this deep voice again that says, I said, Dig. And so uh, he looks, and so he starts digging in the sand with his bare hands, and sure enough, he digs, and here's a, he finds this chest, and it has a lock on it, a rusty lock, so um, he's uh, thinking, uh, wow, this is something else. Then he hears this deep voice, and it says, open the box. So uh, he thought, okay, he said, dig, and I found this box. So he looks around, he finds a rock, he smashes the lock, he opens the chest up, and looking inside is a stacks of gold coins. The voice said, go to the casino. So he took all the coins, and the casino was a mile or two away. He goes running down there. He walks in, and uh, the voice said, go to the roulette game. So he changes all the coins into uh, tokens, and he gets to the game there, and everybody's looking at all these tokens he has. And the voice said, number 27. So he took all his money, put it on number 27. They uh, spun the thing around. It goes around and round, and the ball lands on 26. And the deep voice said, oops. <laughs> so uh, you have to be careful what you listen to. I, I thought that was funnier than that. but um, <laughs> Verse 25, Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Title of the message tonight, and we're just going to touch on it, we'll extend it next week and spend a little more time on some of these other verses farther down, but I just entitled it, Jesus Christ, the Husband's Example. Jesus Christ, the Husband's Example. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father in heaven, we are grateful tonight for your goodness to us. Lord, we don't want to be indifferent about the things of God. Lord, we don't want to uh, get used to the things of God. We want to stay excited, Lord. We want to sense your presence, your leading, your working in hearts and lives. So, bless tonight. For many of us, it's been a busy day, and so we ask now as we wind things down that our hearts and minds would be open. I yield myself to you again this evening, Father, and with all my ability, I yield my will to you. I ask you, Lord, fill me with your spirit and speak through me. Help us to be godly husbands, Lord, biblical husbands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I think in every area of life, anyone you can think of, People need godly examples to set a pattern so that they can pattern themselves after that person. Uh, If you think about it, uh, a mechanic, it's good for a mechanic to have a godly example that they can pattern after and learn the trade and learn how to work it. A nurse, if a nurse can have a good godly example 
hope every, I hope nobody's texting or writing things with their phones or anything like that. Please give your attention to the Word of God. Uh, a nurse, if she can have a good godly example and she can pattern herself after that. We have a number of teachers in our church, and Sunday school teachers and school teachers. Uh, I wonder how many teachers, there's somebody you can look at as a teacher, and they were a good example to you. They were maybe a type of mentor. Is there any teachers here would say, whether there's Sunday school or any, any teachers say, yes, there was somebody that was a, an example. We need that. Um, uh, I was a meat cutter in a meat packing plant for four years when I was saved until I went off to Bible college. And I can look back and I see some men who were good men, honest men, were very good at the trade. And I, I learned that. I could pattern my working after them. A preacher needs somebody, a godly example he can pattern himself after. And I have a couple men that I consider to be my mentors, men that I look to. Dr. Pat Creed is one of them who I look up to and respect immensely. And uh, a preacher needs that, a Sunday school teacher, a mother. Wouldn't it be wonderful for every young lady to have a godly mother she can pattern herself after? Uh, Teenagers need godly examples. A young teen man, a a teenage uh, young man, Needs a, wouldn't it be wonderful if every teenage boy had a godly father that he could pattern himself after? So we need examples. We need godly examples that we can pattern ourselves after. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 tells us that every husband, every one of us here that are husbands, we have an example that we are to pattern ourselves after. And that example, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now stop and think about that with me for a moment. You fellas, stop and think about that. Our pattern, our example, is absolutely perfect. We have a perfect, flawless, the ultimate example anybody could ever have in any area of life, the husband has, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Ephesians 5 here, as we looked a few months, a month or so ago, we noticed the wives are to submit to their husbands, and they're to follow a pattern. They're to follow an example. And the wife's pattern, example to follow, is what? Is the church. Wives, submit yourselves unto... What, how's it worded there? It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for as Christ is head of the wife, and, uh, uh, <clears throat> as a husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, uh, He is the Savior of it. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. Now, here's the thing. The husband's example is the flawless, perfect example, the Lord Jesus Christ. The wife's example is the church. Question, is the church perfect? No. Good night. The church falls way short. The church is not a perfect example for the wife. And so the wife is to submit in principle uh, as the church uh, to her husband as the church submits to Jesus Christ. But the husband is to love his wife like the perfect example does the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a challenge that is. Uh, the husband is to assume the same role toward his wife as Jesus Christ assumes toward the church. And as we pointed out in a previous message, if that's the case, then therefore the husbands must study the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We need to study Jesus. We need to study the church. And he takes a number of verses here and he goes down and explains some great doctrines about the Lord Jesus Christ and applies it to husbands and says that's how you're supposed to love your wife. So what are some of the examples the Lord gives us here? Now, a couple of these are going to be a little repetitious, so I'm going to try and move through them pretty quickly. But the first thing I notice, in Jesus Christ, the husband's a sample. Number one, Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church. We saw that in verse 25. Husbands, you love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Here's the thing. When the Bible talks about Jesus loving the church, it's not talking about just words. Uh, he's not talking about Jesus isn't just singing love songs to the church. It isn't Jesus just writing love poems. When Jesus loves the church, it means he loves it in action. He just, doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't just say it. I think this world talks more about love than ever before and yet has less actual love taking place than ever before. You have singers singing songs about love and you have poets writing songs about love and you have uh, actors in Hollywood making movies about their version of love. But if you'd stop and examine the words of that singer, those songwriters, the words are often beautiful, elegant words about love. But if you look at their lives, they have no clue what love is. They're married five and six times. They've got restraining orders against each other. They're in court fighting each other. Can't stay married more than five months at a time. So though they have all these wonderful words, their actions betray them. These movie stars can, man, they can act like the greatest, most wonderful wife, and they can act like the most wonderful husband and put on shows in a movie or a a show or whatever on the theater. But brother, you look at their actual lives and they have no idea how to do what they're talking about. But when the Lord Jesus Christ loves the church, it's not just words, it's not just a show, it's not something He puts on. He actually loves the church. His love for us is a practical church and that's where so many marriages fall apart right from the get-go because they have no understanding of what love is. Love is the most practical thing in all the world. If anything affects my actions, it's true love for someone. Take your Bibles with me, with me if you would. Keep your place here. Come over to 1 Corinthians, not far away, and chapter 13. We're familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What is 1 Corinthians? It's the what chapter? It's the love chapter. Charity suffereth long. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. Verse number 1, I'll read down through the first couple of verses pretty quickly. Then I want you to notice, when we get to about verse 4, start paying attention to what's being said here. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now look, he starts telling us here how practical uh, love really is, charity. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not, what's that next word? Behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. 
rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Now whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but that which is perfect is come, that which is in part is done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but I shall know even as I'm known. Now look at verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. What I want you to notice is verse number 4 through verse number 7 where he is describing charity, love. And I want you to notice, it's all actions. It's all actions. Do you notice that? Charity suffereth long. That's an action. It's patient. It's kind. Envieth not. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is probably one of the most practical chapters in all the Bible. Lays it all out. This is what love does. This is what charity does. And so... The true test for my love for my wife as a husband is not the words I say, but my actions towards my wife, my treatment of my wife. Now, that's not to say that words aren't important. I think every wife here would say that it's very important to her to hear her husband say that he loves her. Am I correct? Oh, yes, amen. A wife would like to hear her husband say, I love you. But I assure you this, every wife in the world would want her husband not just to say it, but to display it in action. To exhibit that love. To treat her in such a way that the actions match the words. And that's exactly how the Lord Jesus Christ loves the church. It's not just th stuff He says. He actually loves in action the church. So the first example we have, and we've elaborated on this in a previous message, is Jesus loves the church. The second example we have and this is a new thought that we haven't touched on before, but this is this. Jesus initiated the relationship with the church. The relationship between the church and Jesus Christ, our Savior, was initiated not by the church, but the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what Luke 19.10 says? Anybody know that memory verse? Have that verse memorized? For the Son of Man is come to... Seek and to save that which was lost. Who went looking for who? Was it the church looking for the Savior? Or was it the Savior come looking for lost to save and build His church? Jesus is the one that initiates the relationship between, the, between the, Himself and the church. And I think there's an example there. You don't find anywhere the church chasing Jesus. You don't find the church flirting with Jesus. <laughs> Savior, here we are, the church. Chasing them around. Now, I'm just old-fashioned enough to suggest that the idea, I think the idea of a young man and a young lady courting, I think the patterns given for us in the Word of God is the young man ought to be the one initiating the courtship between a young man and young lady. I'll amen myself. Nobody else does. Amen. Now, I'm not that old, and I certainly didn't grow up as, a, in a, as, a, as a, any type of Christian by any stretch of the imagination, by any morals, by any stretch of the imagination. But when I was young, it just, girls didn't call fellas. 
just didn't happen. Even, even in the situation I was in. Uh, well, they wouldn't have called me even today anyway, but uh, it just didn't happen. The fella initiates it. And I think that, I, like I said, I think there's a principle here. I think I'm old-fashioned enough that I don't think a young girl needs to go around chasing boys. You ought to trust God and wait on God and just let God send a godly Christian man by. And uh, I think uh, uh, the pattern is set here where you don't need young girls flirting with boys and calling the boys up and chasing them around. I believe the young man is the one that is to initiate the courtship. And the young girl says, well, what if I like him and he doesn't pay any attention to me? Well, I tell you what, there's a God in heaven that can stir his heart and turn things around, and God can work that thing out. And I don't know about you, I'd far rather have God work that thing out than him come after me because I chased him down, if I was a girl. And so the whole point here is, is that the husband's love for the wife is to emulate, is to be set after the pattern of Jesus Christ in the church. Jesus loves the church. Jesus initiated the relationship with the church. He's the one that came down. He's the one that sought for the lost and gave himself so they could be saved. He's the one that initiated that whole thing. And I believe the husband in the home is the initiator of all that takes place in the home. He's the head. He's the responsible one. So you have a pattern there. Number three, another example Jesus Christ is to the husband is that Jesus died for the church. Again, coming back to Ephesians chapter 5, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. That's where the initiation took place and gave himself for it. The very heart of true Christianity is Jesus Christ crucified, shedding his blood for the unsaved for the church. That's the very heart of Christianity. You take the cross out of Christianity and you no longer have Christianity. You take the cross out of your hymn book and all, you take the blood out of the hymn book and all you have are religious songs. The blood of Jesus Christ is what makes the church the church. And he gave himself for it. And when the Bible talks about Jesus giving himself for the church, it's talking about him being crucified and giving his blood for the church to be his bride. Again, if you would, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. Verse number 20, if you're in the habit of underscoring verses in your Bible, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28 ought to be underlined in your Bible, I believe. Paul is meeting with the Ephesian pastors and uh, he's giving his farewell, and he's uh, kind of uh, giving his testimony, and then he's challenging these Ephesian pastors. And notice in verse 28, speaking to these leaders in the church, the pastors in the church, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now pay attention here. Look at the wording. To feed the church of who? God, which he, who does that he refer back to? Look at the structure of the sentence. Where's our English teachers at? Uh, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Who does that he refer back to? The previous, uh, what is it, pronoun, refers back to God. Now let's, let's read again. Now pay attention here. Class. I always wanted to say that to a teacher. I just did. All right. 
over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which He, God, hath purchased with His own blood. Question, who shed their blood for the church? Jesus. This verse says God did. What does that tell us? It tells us Jesus is God, the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jehovah's Witness comes by, tells you Jesus is not God, ask them to explain that verse. I never yet have had one explain that. And so he's telling us here that Jesus Christ, as God in, the, uh, in the, God in the person of Jesus Christ, shed his blood for the church. He gave his blood for the church. All through the New Testament, you find over and over and over the blood of Jesus Christ shed for the church. The blood of Jesus Christ given to those souls to be saved. The blood of Jesus Christ. You have no church without the blood of Jesus, and the church must never get away from this. Jesus gave himself on the cross, shed his blood so that we can be a part of the body of Christ. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. God have mercy on Mount Lake Independent Baptist Church if we ever stop singing of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God have mercy on any man who presumes to stand behind this pulpit and preach anything other than salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave Himself for us. Now, a husband must always remember what Jesus Christ did for the church so that, he, so that the church can be his bride, so that he can have a bride. A husband must always remember that. And then he's to love and give himself for his wife, even as Christ did for the church. In other words, we are to give of ourselves to our wives to the extent that Jesus Christ gave of himself for the church. What if Jesus, now think with me, man, I'm talking to the fellas now. What if Jesus would have reacted to us the way we react to, the, to our wives? What if the first little time the church did something, first little time, Somebody did something that offended the Lord Jesus or went contrary to what he wanted, and Jesus blew his top. There'd be no church. If Jesus responded to us the way the average husband reacts to his wife, there would be no church. He would not have died for it. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't that the church was some beautiful, perfect, flawless uh, 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 thing and that because it was so perfect, because he did everything that pleased Jesus, therefore he'll give himself for it. No, it was while we were yet sinners, while we blasphemed him, while we denied him, while we uh, disobeyed him, he gave himself for us. And that's the way we're to be with our wives. So Christ loved the church. He set the example and he died for the church. And so we as husbands need to understand what Christ did for us and then we pattern that and we love and give of ourselves to our wives as Christ did for the church. My fourth thought tonight, the example is that Jesus Christ desires to sanctify and cleanse the church. Come back to Ephesians and I'll end with this. Notice in verse number 26. Well, let's read verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why did he give himself for it? Verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. 
Jesus Christ gave himself for the church. He shed his blood for the church so that the church could be sanctified and clean. You know, Jesus never satisfied with someone just getting saved. We are often, aren't we? We got soul winning. We'll give an invitation. Folks come forward. Boy, we'll lead them through a, a plan of salvation. We'll uh, lead them to call on the Lord, profess faith in Christ, and we're satisfied. Praise the Lord. Amen. Put a notch in my Bible. But the Lord's never satisfied with that. The Lord, when He saves someone, He wants to change their life. He wants them to be completely set apart unto Him. He wants their lives to be clean. He wants to work and mold and work with them till they grow and become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's never satisfied with someone just being saved. He wants every saved person to go on to holiness and clean, uh, cleanness. Look, turn with me, if you would, to Titus. It's not too far away. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, right after 2 Timothy. Come back to Titus, chapter 2, and notice verse, verse 14. Titus 2, verse 14. Speaking of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the last part of verse 13, verse 14 says, who gave himself for us. Boy, that sounds like Ephesians 5. That he might redeem us from all what? Iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. God wants every believer to go on to holiness. He wants to redeem them. He wants to save them from sin and purify them. He wants to work in their life so that every individual person can be everything God intended for them to be. An example he gives, and by the way, he'll do that. If we don't willingly yield to him, if we don't willingly submit as God works in our life, trying to make us more godly, more holy, more like Christ, if we don't willingly submit, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, verse 6, that if necessary, he'll chasten us. And that's all part of this this sanctifying, where God will chasten us, He'll discipline us and prompt us along to get us to be everything God intends for us to be. In other words, the Lord wants what is best for His bride. Let me ask you a question. Is sin good for the church? No, uh uh-uh. Is, is, it, is it healthy for the church to, uh, to be in sinful action? The church at Corinth, was that a good, healthy, beautiful church? No, it's dirty. It's sinful. It's a sick church spiritually. And boy, the Lord worked in that and tried to change it. He wanted it to be the best they could be. And the point here is this: we are, as husbands, are to set our, are, are to follow the example Jesus had. And Jesus works in the in the church's life, and He provides and does things in the church to make the church the best it ought to be. And the husband ought to do that for his wife. A husband ought to be concerned that his wife is everything God intends for her to be. That means he takes care of her. He tries to keep her safe. He provides for her. He wants her. He wants, as the years go by, to be more and more beautiful, more and more of what God intends for her to be. That means you keep opening the door for her. Boy, I'm convicted right now. I try to remember to do it when folks are watching. But... um. That means you keep doing, fellas, everything you did to win her, you keep doing to develop her. 
and help her. You know, it's not right, and the Lord doesn't do this in church, when a husband squelches his wife. You know what I'm talking about? Just try and keeps her as low as he possibly can. No, God's given her gifts and abilities. God has given her a mind and talents. And I have a list of things. We don't have time for it. Maybe another time I'll go over Things you can do to help that wife develop and grow and be everything God intends for her to be. That's what the Lord does for the church. He wants Mountain Lake Independent Baptist Church to be everything we can possibly be for the glory of God. And He works in us and molds us and challenges and chastens us. Puts us through difficult times sometimes. So we learn to trust Him. We learn to stay faithful. And He's working in our lives. And that's what we as husbands want to do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you would help us. Lord, you've given us quite...